Welcome to Building a Better World, a podcast that investigates the intersection of the metaverse and how we can apply these technologies to improve people's real lives and enhance humanity. The metaverse is more than a web of networks. It is an unfathomable life-shaping tool. And we, our friends, are here to dive headfirst into the way these technologies can improve our life and the world around us. I'm your host, Rish Lotlakar. Get ready to discover how we can build a better world in three, two, one. Hey, Eamon, it's really awesome to have you here today on the Building a Better World podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Eamon is the CEO and co-founder of the social network Vero, and they are building an amazing platform for creators. And I'm, I'm really passionate about a lot of the values that you are really promoting here and building into the application, but you believe in in general. So really excited to have you on. Would love to hear um, maybe about your background and kind of got what got you passionate about this cause and tell us a little bit more about kind of what 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 you believe in as it relates to social networking. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's an exciting journey that we're on. It's been a few years that we're building the social network with an idea of that the social network, the real social network is the most powerful, just organic connection that we have in the real world. And it got us, you know, I keep saying it got us out of the caves because we can't do things alone. Like as human beings, we, we rely on each other a lot. We need each other. We, because we're here for a short period of time in the grand scheme of things, we need for people who learn things to pass those learnings on to other people. And if we think about ourselves as that collective, you know, just outside of ourselves, this from a meta standpoint of how we need each other to propel into the future and build off of experiences, you think of the social network that exists in the real world as, as really the most powerful gift and the most powerful asset and tool that, that we can could possibly create ourselves. And so having online, having technology be able to uh, bridge space and time where, you know, I get to talk to you from, I'm in Dubai. Uh, I don't know where you are right now. In Miami, right to, now. Miami, we're able to bridge space and time. I don't need to get on a plane. I don't need to trek across the world. You know, so we're saving all of that effort. And yet here we are connecting as human beings and using technology to do that. And so our objective is to use technology to enhance the real world social network as opposed to getting in the way of it. And we do that really by not doing so many things that we could do, which is to, you know, we don't try to hijack this, this willingness to connect by having something get in the way of that and choosing what we get to see and what we don't get to see and what will keep us engaged and having, you know, hijacking that, that willingness and that, that predispos predisposition to want to share and connect and taking it in the way of, well, just keeping us online for as long as possible using these devices so that we can share, show ads. I don't have a problem with ads in, you know, being informative. It's what we as a platform would need to know about our users and need to be able to manipulate their behavior to get them 
to see those ads. That that's the problem that I have personally, and we as a group have, you know, against the attention economy in general. So we're trying to build a social network that online that enhances the social network in the real world and connect people across the world, give them opportunity to learn from each other, connect with each other, be inspired, and just grow as as individuals and pass things on in their own experiences to other people. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love how you kind of clarified that vision. I think you're right that ultimately we're all, you know, really striving for this connection and it shouldn't be uh, fettered by these other kind of goals that kind of, you know, affect how we express ourselves. I I remember, I think you, you may have said this on another interview, or I, I might have, you know, kind of, I've heard this a lot of places as well, is that, you know, on social networks, people are kind of different than they are in their in their normal lives or in their regular lives. What do you think about that? Like how how why is that? You know, obviously, kind of we know why that's happening in in one in some ways, but you know, what do you, how do you kind of reconcile that as uh, in in terms of this the way that the business model works? Yeah, it's it's very much tied to the tool. You know, the tool starts to manipulate the person using it and. It's really interesting to see because it's feeding on uh, just basic human behavior that uh, may, you know, already be there, or it's it's encouraging a certain behavior because of the outcome that is either being promised indirectly, or you see other people gaining quote unquote success, whatever that means, and then mimicking that behavior. And you know, if you if you think about it, if you give everybody a stage, then everybody's going to perform. And uh, you put a microphone in front of people, they'll say something, even though they had no desire or even thought before that of that behavior. And, you know, I, I always, so the Matrix plays a big role in my my thinking, the movie. And, and uh, I don't know if you, you know, a lot of people would geek out on just all the details that are put in. And, and you think about Neo being in the matrix and then consuming a cookie or consuming any kind of food and it potentially reprograms them, you know, reprograms him. And in our case, we are affected by the tools that we use. And initially we think of them as, you know, things that that don't have any negative impact on us, but over time they do affect us and can affect us negatively if we have a tendency to because we're social creatures and we want to connect with others and we don't realize but it it's sort of embedded there's some you know bad ingredients i would call them in in whatever it is that we're consuming and human beings we go through this this cycle quite often and i compare our digital consumption with our with what with food you know uh, the the food that we eat and over time how conscious we become about the ingredients that are inside our food. And even we go back to how was that, you know, if, if you eat meat or if you consume, you know, even uh, veg, you know, if you're just a vegetarian or, or you know, as far as being a vegan, you st- if you start to look at the ingredients and the process in which that food is prepared, you know, you can see that you can make certain decisions that can uh, better your your health, your, you know, how long you get to live, all of these things. And so I believe that people are becoming more and more aware that apps and how they're designed and and software and services, whatever 
in whichever form that they present themselves, they are a kind of consumption because they consume, you consume them with your brain. You don't consume them with your uh, digestive tract. You're consuming them with your thoughts, with your, you know, what you start to realize the kind of mood that you're in after you've consumed something and what kind of behavior it triggers. And so if there's an encouragement to get up and dance to music and do this kind of stuff, then you're going to do it because you see other people doing it and they're reaching kind of success. And you don't, it's really sort of the boiling of the, the frog. You don't, you don't realize it's happening to you. It's happening in very small quantities. And we're up against, you know, we were talking about the social dilemma before we, we started the interview. You're up against these machines that we're seeing just how capable they are in beating us without us even knowing that we're being that we're in a game for that matter. And so what we're very conscious of is making sure that we don't put any ingredients into our app into Vero that may inadvertently change the behavior of people. People can have an addictive personality. And so we can't stop somebody from opening up the app. We can warn them. We can do all of that. And we actually were the first app to introduce time spent in the app that you can turn on and you can just self-regulate. We didn't want to put up warnings and make you feel bad. We just wanted you to be aware of what's going on. And so you could make your own decisions. We were the first software to do that like it wasn't available in ios nor android nor any other app and we did it as a statement to say we're serious about what we're talking about we don't want to put things into the app that manipulate your uh, behavior and we would we're ready to put in what would seem to be and in non-intuitive features like letting you know how long you've spent to for you not to spend time in the app we're not tracking how much time you're spending in the app we're we're not doing any of that on our side. We're giving you the tool in the in your own device that's sitting in your device to let you know how much time you're spending so that you can make an informed decision. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And uh very, very important because you know, as we're becoming more mindful, as you said, about you know, whether it's what you're eating or you know, how you spend your time during the day how much time you're even taking to unplug or meditate or exercise right. and yeah. all of this digital kind of infrastructure information you know everything around us that's digital that we're consuming is similarly affecting us so i think that that analogy is a very powerful one uh, from the matrix as you mentioned you know i think that um as we are consuming or you know interacting with these digital mediums, we are are changing. How do you think we are changing in the last, you know, 10, 20 years of, of, you know, and you see kids now growing up on on this stuff? What's your thoughts around where we heading and and whether that's whether that's a new kind of way that we'd interact with this stuff, you know, as Vero is, is building or the engagement models, the attention economy models, is there some kind of baseline kind of change that we're, we're interacting, you know, incorporating in ourselves? Yeah, I think, you know, there are a few things that I'm sort of a, I mean, I was born in in 78. And so I consider myself a kind of, you know, my conscious or became mostly aware in the night and lived through the nineties. So going from that to where we are today 
there was pre-internet and and then post-internet. So I'm I'm still you know I'm part of that generation that straddles both sides of that invention and that creation into our lives. And you know what I've noticed just generally, I think we have more ADD than we've ever had. I think uh, just as uh, as a species, because we have so many things calling for our attention, yeah. and they're being, they're being dripped in into our lives in these very very small, not even bite sizes, it's even smaller than bite sizes, drips that uh, we get left, right, and center, and so it prevents us from being able to live in the moment as much and and seek out non digital experiences. Uh, I don't see I see us much more tied to obviously our devices. We see that generally people just looking, you know, sitting at, at a dinner table and everybody's looking at their devices or being out in, in these wonderful places and not being able to focus on that. And so if we, you know, we watch these shows where people had to, you, you know, you couldn't call somebody when they were in their car, you had to wait until they showed up at their home or at work. And just remembering what that was like and how much slower things seemed uh, than they are today. So with that comes an impatience and a, a wanting for things instantly and not being able to be satisfied with anything that requires you to wait. I see that even with our, our users and you know, God bless our support staff for how they interact with users and, and, and seemingly something that you know, it'll get solved somebody's verification will will go through or you know whatever but in the moment that from the moment that they've submitted to the moment that they get it just the the anxiety and the and the just the the, the feverish want from that moment to actually getting satisfied and then post that everything's fine it goes back to quiet just the inability for people or or people getting used to having things instantly given to them is is really interesting as a just sort of social experiment, social indicators, and then you know the un- unfortunately the propensity for people to believe things that they see online without questioning them, spreading things quickly, and then that becoming truth. And and you know back in the day, you know sort of talking talking about the history of knowledge and how knowledge was gathered in libraries in the middle of nowhere where you had to track for days or weeks or months to get to that library and somebody who's really into knowledge you know would go and write things down but also read things and then there'd be scholars you know checking things like just the slowness factor which uh, had its value has sort of really disappeared and now we look at we look at sort we look at anything with a search becomes a source of knowledge Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's a shame. I don't want to call it. I, I won't even go down the path of calling it dangerous and bad for society. I just call it a shame because the bar it has been brought down a lot versus you know the, the past. And on the one hand, it's exciting that you have access to so much knowledge, so much information, mm-hmm. so much opinion, information, knowledge, all kind of lumped into one but giving it search automatically makes it a source of knowledge irrespective of what the source is behind that information so i look at all of these things and i know we'll come out of it i know we'll come out the other end 
uh, chat GPT, for example, may get us there faster or the opposite yeah. and we'll reject it. But I always think I always think of the sort of society and human beings in general as a collective, okay, as a species. We have an immune system similar to the human body at a just a micro level. Mm-hmm. So if you try to attach an organ, you know, implant an organ or attach even somebody else's, let's say, you know, somebody has their finger cut off and and you're putting in a new finger from somebody else or grown in a lab or whatever, okay, something that isn't from the person, you have the body has to has to accept it and it it automatically will reject it if it's a foreign thing that isn't supposed to be there or it, it isn't recognized or is bad for it. Yeah. So I think of the society and 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 people that we we will eventually reject what isn't good for us that has a threat to our survival, to our best interests. But things are changing so quickly, we're having trouble catching up. And so we're not able to process the things correctly. So I see us moving down a path where eventually I know we'll reject the things that aren't good for us, we'll accept the things that are good for us, but it'll take us time. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting subject. No, I, I I love long I love very comprehensive answers and and uh, you know just kind of going deep into this because it's such an important topic and you've thought about it for a long time. So I appreciate you going into detail on this because you know I I think you know you brought it up with you know these large language models and uh, GPT and and what's coming from all of that it's coming so quickly that it's it's going to be a real challenge to know what's real and what's fake i think even this weekend there was a controversy with uh, a song that was created by ai um that got really popular and you know what what are the rights to some content and i know you're you're a photographer as well i'd love to hear more about your your passion for for being a creator but you know some of those things are really things that you know in terms of the speed of 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 innovation how do we kind of you know maintain the integrity of of the content we're creating and and you know how do we want to go like do we want to open it up i don't know if you saw the announcement i think i read it on the news this morning read it on a post that grimes opened up her music library to allow creators to, um, I think, use AI and share royalties. And so we're moving into a world where we're going to have a lot more content creation. And some of those things are going to be very positive, potentially, for creators. And also in a world where you you might not have total control over your IP, and, and maybe that could be a negative depending on how you kind of play this out what do you what do you think about that in terms of creators and rights and i know that's very important for you to to give creators the opportunity to to build their craft and to grow their businesses yeah i i'm all for somebody uh taking something by the reins and deciding for themselves consciously that they want to use something or or not just to be different but but to embrace uh, something new and it's up to them to decide that. And it's up to others uh, to decide. And we should respect others that decide they don't want to go down that path. I remember, you know, 
these things become blips in history that <laughs> kind of get get lost and forgotten. But I remember, for example, Metallica not not being on any platform whatsoever, whether streaming or iTunes or or anything. And I'm a huge Metallica fan. Me too. <laughs> and obviously I wanted their their music to be on these platforms. But at the same time, I could understand why they didn't want it to be on the platforms. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really a question of what kind of experience you want your fans to have. What kind of what kind of position do you want to take in the creator ecosystem? If you don't want to call it the creator economy, you have others like Radiohead who decided to give away their music for free. For example, you know, at, at one point you could download their music. So it's really about you having control and choice on how things play out and you can decide to hold back as long as you want to see how things ultimately evolve and you do it in a in a in a moment of calm as opposed to a moment of just wanting to jump on board everything you know something that something that i think of when you know, you've got all you've got technologies that people jump all over all of a sudden whether it's vr whether it's ar and sort of before its time whereas now you're starting to see things in a much clearer way on how you can use them as opposed to thinking it's the be all end all of all things i like it when you know people take a take a step back and go for quality versus quantity in things and and you you have things that just evolve naturally and if you give it enough time you'll see where people tend to you know tend to move towards if you think of the evolution of TV or the the creation of content. Initially, uh, movies were movies and you know big block blockbuster or you know just big budgets being spent on movies. And then you had the Blair Witch Project that came out, and all of a sudden, it was this unlock in everybody's minds. Like, oh my God, you could have just this huge hit with a very small budget. And you then had reality TV, like. Do you remember the real world, right? I yep. mean, when when that that totally changed everybody's perception of how TV could be made, and so you had reality TV, and everything was about reality TV at one point. Every single show was about reality TV. If you were making a TV show, you were part of the past, and you weren't thinking about the future, and everybody was just trying to come up with every kind of idea for a re reality TV show, and that's all that was on TV. Yeah. And then House of Cards, you know, you you. Fast forward, Netflix basically decided, you know what? TV is going to be about this. And that was the, the gamble that they went after. And it spurred a new idea, which was basically quality over quantity, <laughs> you know, back to quality, back to investing in ideas and, and great storytelling. And, and now that's all we get on TV. We get like, we live in an age where TV is, is almost better than movies. How is that possible? And we have access to this. And it's really this decision, and I hope we don't go back, where this decision of quality versus quantity. And so, again, coming back to sort of your question about, about ChatGPT, about basically the acceptance and moving fast with new technology, it's, I would just encourage people to think about that quality experience. What is it that they're getting? There are people who are going to have you know, a propensity to want to do just these PR moments, which may be thought through, and I, I don't want to belittle anybody's decisions, but 
because as long as you're doing it consciously and you know what you're getting yourself into or you're willing to accept whatever the the results are i much prefer that than somebody just sort of going with it because it's you know it's the new thing we got to do it you know i would just encourage just think things through have some good advisors around you take a look take a look at what other people are doing learn from those things exchange ideas exchange experiences and you know move accept technology but have it work for you as opposed to you working for it yeah yeah and you know i think this kind of opens the way and we we talked earlier we we'd hung out at uh in in dubai recently uh at a web3 event and you know this opens the way i think for web3 and uh you know the utilization of of potentially digital assets to you know help creators go direct with their customers to be able to have a community become a stakeholder and d- directly connect with their their you know with the creator themselves and and to be able to generate even um, other potential products what's your what's your thought on web3 and how do you how do you think about that as it relates to Vero and you know with Superworld? I think there's a lot of things that we can do together because I love I love the passion and the mission that you're on, and that's a very similar mission. So love to hear kind of your thoughts on on Web three and and how it fits into that mission. Yeah, absolutely. I, what I love about Web three is what it stands for. You know, mm-hmm. I think we. So my background is computer science, and and I was a programmer when when I was first starting and then you know, created some technology companies and, and I can't help but think like an engineer and think about tech and I love consumer tech and I've always wanted to be in consumer tech. My dream is that, you know, I create something that people that, that I'd be randomly walking down the street or in a mall or, you know, whatever, and seeing somebody use something that I helped create. That's, that's my dream. That's my, yeah. my ultimate goal. And that obviously that however I got there doesn't compromise my my principles and the things that I'm trying to build and and build off of. And uh, so when I look at something like Web3, I immediately look to see what is behind it, what is what fascinates us and try not to lose sight of what that is. And I think that Web3, what it does is it encourages transparency and encourages inclusivity, you know, as opposed to uh, something that's exclusive and that's really hard to get into and that's opaque and, you know, this kind of thing. I'm not, I don't think that everything gets built off of Web3. I know that there's a a tendency to want to do that. Everything starts to look like, you know, we have a tendency to want to turn everything into a hammer, which then turns everything into a nail. And that isn't how it works. I think you want to use the right tools in the right moment. And um, Web3, we're, we're definitely integrating Web3 into, into Vero in different ways. But what we're mostly interested in is, as you said, is how do you, how do you create stakeholders out of your community, whether it's an app or it's a creator? How do you do it? And, and my background is, is old school. I always think about you know, how do you make things that don't overpromise because there are legal issues that... Get in the way. You know, how do you how do you deal with things in a way that actually deliver what people expect? And you look at you look at all of the the surge and in interest in at the time, you know, unfortunately, we, we have to say this at the time when NFTs took off and then came back down. It's because people 
wanted to have, you know, a stake. And second, they wanted to support their creators or the things that they believed in. So we're looking at ways to actually deliver that, you know, in in a way that's a win-win for both sides, while building off of the transparency part that Web3 brings perfectly. That's the beautiful thing is that in a world where you have transparency, it's no longer a question about a person, but rather the system that, that you know, the person that's building a platform, it's more about the, the platform that they're building and your ability to look at something and say, hey, you don't need to, don't worry about Eamon, don't worry about, you know, this person or that person. Just look at what it is that that we're building and who we're building it for. And you can then start to see how something is built gives you a sense of the the goal behind it. We're trying to build a community first platform Mm -hmm. that what that means is it's putting the community first, putting their interests first, putting how the longevity of the platform and the community and not trying to rush things in, in a way that's only about fastest to profitability, fastest to biggest possible, because Mm -hmm. you can do that. It can be all built on air and then it all comes crashing down. We're not interested in that. I'm interested as much in the people that are building it, the people that are using it, the people that are building it have families behind them. So how do I build something that's sustainable, sustainable for them? The, you know, if we've got 50 people working on it, we've probably then got at least 250 people that at least relying on what it is that we're doing. That's a lot of people on my, you know, my shoulders, our shoulders and the decisions that we're making. So, you know, that that's really what I look at web three is the promise of all of that embodied in a technology that's very basic. All it is, is just everything that you do can be seen, can mm-hmm. be audited, can be checked. You, you can trust and verify. It's a wonderful thing. So how do we use that? More important than anything else. I don't think of NFTs. I don't think of blockchain, et cetera. I think of if Pandora's box has been opened with people where they expect transparency, how can we build off of that? And how can we take this to a new level that is creates a win-win for everybody mm-hmm. and is all legal and is all checked and everybody gets in and gets what they expect? Yeah, yeah. For sure. And do you think that, you know, as we think of business models, I know many of the platforms are now incorporating some paid aspects of, <laughs> of their business, you know, whether it's paying for a, a verification checkmark or other kind of premium features. What, what's your thought on that? I know it doesn't, com- it doesn't hit the, you know, hit the mark where it should be, but, you know, would love to hear your, your thoughts on how that, uh, I think kind of definitely confirms a lot of the things that you've been saying for years about how we've been the product and uh, we need to kind of take control as, as creators and have more control over the content. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how, what's happening now in the industry or people kind of understanding more about how, you know, potentially this, these business models need to, to transform a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll look back at this age as as quite, you know, we'll look back and wonder how on earth we accepted to be the product for for all of these platforms that, you know, ultimately our attention is being sold out to third parties. And you know, just similarly to us looking back at 
whatever we were consuming in the 80s in terms of you know quality of, of the food that we would eat or the ingredients that weren't asking. I mean, I think Twinkies have have been you know completely they just stop. We don't need that. a lot of Twinkies in the 80s for sure. <laughs> right, exactly. So you know, so I think the way, yeah, absolutely. I I I look at Twitter, for example, and Elon Musk, one of the smartest people on the planet, taking that over and looking at the business model and going, oh my God, we need to introduce subscription, which is something that we said would be our business model from day one. And I'm I'm sure everybody's you know, anybody who's listening to this who knows about Vero and in the past of, of Vero, you know, thinks, yeah, you've been talking about subscription, but you haven't turned it on. Well, there's a reason for that. And you'll know that reason when when we announce things uh, that we'll be announcing this year, because I'm just somebody who constantly looks for a win-win. And what I saw subscription, uh, turning on subscription would serve us very much in an imbalanced way versus our, our, you know, our customers, our users. And I basically uh, put a challenge both to myself and to the team where, you know, I said from day one, we need to treat our users or our, as our customers, irrespective of whether they're paying or not. We need to think and be used to dealing with our platform as a subscriber platform, not as a user platform where all we care about is numbers. So uh, an analogy would be that you're, you're trying to create a scene, you're trying to create a party or, or some kind of an event, and all you are doing is sitting at the door doing whatever it is that you can to get people through the door. You don't care what they do inside. You don't care what kind of experience that they have. You don't care if they're falling over, if they're hurting themselves, if they're having a bad experience, or if they're having a great experience, but it's bad for them. All you care about is, can you be at the door and can you get enough people in? And so what we've done as a team is get used to dealing with people on a personal level. I'll sometimes jump on a customer. I'll find out about somebody who's has a question, has a concern, has feedback, didn't have a good experience. I'll get on a call and do a Zoom call with them and make sure that you know they they feel heard, that we try to act on what it is that they're they're talking about if we can, if it's if it's a low-hanging fruit, why not? And so when we think about our business model, our business model defines the culture of our app. It defines the culture of the community that we're building, the DNA of everything that we're doing. We're not thinking about putting in some feature that increases engagement for the sake of engagement. We look at, are people satisfied? Are they coming back because they're having a good experience? Are they making friends? Are they learning from each other? Are they connecting with other people? Are they seeing that their content is, if it's good, it's being recognized? And what kind of features can we create that further recognizes those people? Very important, the mm-hmm. people behind the content and not the, the content itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard, you know, Maddie Hapuya is a, is a great content creator on, on YouTube. And, you know, he was saying, you know, there's a tendency for apps to want to cr- connect users to content as opposed to users to creators and mm-hmm. i want to be about connecting people and so whether it's users to other creators or users with other users with similar interests whatever it is ultimately it's about a person to person connection yeah that i care about the most 
Mm-hmm. And so features are driven by that. We have a ton of features that are coming out. We're, we're building stuff left, right, and center. It seems like we're taking forever because we're a small team. It's how we can sustain ourselves by being small and not too big. We don't want to be in a, a mode of growing and then laying people off. That's just something I, I can't deal with as a person. So, you know, we try to keep the team tight and small. It just means that things take us longer to build. But a, you know, it's clear, it has been clear for close to a decade now while we've been building this, that the way to go forward is a subscription model because it keeps us honest. It keeps us, you know, uh, focused on our, our users who are our customers. It lets them understand that it's a simple model, but, you know, it's a simple contract between us and them. You pay, you gain access, and you fund what it is that we're doing. It's the simplest thing. And we've gotten lost a bit with the with this whole idea that everything is free because that's easier for the developer to give it away for free and then, you know, go out and sell your attention to third parties. That's so much easier or seems to be so much easier than going down what I consider is the better path, a path that is better for us. And it's a path that I feel is is more along the lines of the thinking that uh, we deserve better. So, you know, it's a, I think it's the ultimate win-win when you can create a, a platform that serves its, its users because they're customers, that they can feel and have an opportunity to be stakeholders in that. You know, so throwing in the Web3 portion, which we'll announce, you know, sometime later this year, that to me is... That to me is the ultimate is the ultimate path. Now, whether they accept to use it, whether they think it's does all the things that it needs to do, that's up to them. But we would have done our job, which is to give it the best chance it has to being a true alternative to everything that's out there, built from the ground up with better ingredients and a better alignment of interest between us and our customers. That's great. Now exciting. It's very exciting. And I love how, you know, as a creator, there's just so many different things that you can discover intros and photos and links and books and movies and places. And, you know, you really get to know, it's like what you said, you get to know the people that are the creators and get to know even the relationships and, and things. You know, I'd like to go a bit into your, you know, kind of, we talked about how this digital media and, and all of these different platforms and the drip, how do you disconnect? I know you're a creator. How do you, in your personal life, what are things that you use to, you know, kind of gain balance and empower you and inspire you? Love to hear kind of what you do in your personal life as a creator or, you know, in your family, et cetera. What would you do to kind of keep yourself energized? I Luckily, I have a great and very supportive family, you know, all the way from my, uh, my wife to my kids. They understand what it is that I'm doing. They understand the sacrifice that it takes. And they're sacrificing, you know, as much as I am. You know, I am, on the one hand, putting in, you know, large sums of money, which is ours. I don't consider it to be mine. I consider it to be ours. And they understand that. And I, I involve them in that understanding. It isn't just, you know, dad's in his office doing, doing stuff and they don't know what the heck is going on. 
So they understand the partnerships that I'm trying to forge, the, the, the work that I'm trying to do. And that's, that is, I get a lot of strength from that. I get a lot of strength in their, their understanding and their questions and their curiosity and uh, them being aware of what it is that I'm doing. But also the, the team, you know, we stand together, which is really important. You know, where my extended family is my Vero family who are the people that are helping me build this and, and dealing with things on a daily basis. And, and it extends all the way out to the users. I mean, the kind of things that I see coming from, from users of the platform, reaching out to me personally or reaching out to the team, that means a lot. And, and I get a lot of strength and a lot of inspiration from that. And there are the, the small things that one can do on a daily basis. When I have time, I use photography as my way of of unplugging and I have an M11. So it even further puts you in the moment because you have to, you can't be thinking about anything else when you're taking a shot with a manual uh, focus lens. It's just, it's actually impossible. It's actually tied to a lot of um, like there's, there are therapies, methodologies that allow you to come out of, you know, everything from depression or ADD or all of these things by actually using a manual focus camera. I know it sounds sounds qu quite interesting, but if you can, if you do need to disconnect, I highly recommend that. It doesn't matter if you're a good photographer or not. It doesn't matter. Like just experiencing things. I take my camera everywhere I go, irrespective. If I'm going anywhere out of the house, I carry a camera with me because it can't take pictures where back home. Like if it's sitting on a shelf, it's not going to take it's not going to take a picture by itself. So. I take it with me whether I think I'm going to get a shot or not, or I'm going anywhere interesting. It doesn't matter. I just stay in that discipline. And lastly, I mean, I, you know, a way I disconnect, or lastly, a couple of ways is I try to take care of my health through fitness. So as much as possible, I try to disconnect there, even though I do have my phone with me and I am a lot of times working between sets. And then there's gaming. I'm a bit of a gamer. So I, I do play games. I'm looking forward to Zelda coming out. Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out on the 12th of May. So the kids and I are, are waiting for that. So it's really a mixed bag of things. But what I would say to people who are building anything, who, who have a big challenge in front of them, whatever it may be, whether it's uh, wanting to improve your fitness, any kind of goal that you have, don't rely on always being in the mood for it. Like that's something that I think we fall into a habit of, you know, I'm not in the mood, so I don't do it. You got to do regardless of your mood. You got to do regardless of the circumstances. You could be going through hell, but other people are relying on you. You got to, got to just show up. You got to show up, got to show up, get something done. Just turn that, that wheel, even an inch, it counts every single day. And I've learned that over the years, you know, because you do fall into that thing of just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just not feeling it right now. And, you know, there'll be days it's okay if, if what it takes is for you to be creative and you're going, you have to deal with certain other things or you're going through something and you're not able to be creative. Take that, take whatever energy that you can muster and put it into something else, you know, whether it's operations or, you know, just problem solving or helping other people with whatever problems that they're they're dealing with as a the leader of this enterprise of this organization i sort of you know i have i have a responsibility that regardless of what i'm going through i need to be there for other people 
because they need my guidance, they need my direction, and I'm happy to give it. And the more you can create a family environment where people, you know, are really, they really believe in something together and they want to build something together and we have a shared goal, it just makes that, you know, ability to jump in no matter what's going on in your personal life, Mm -hmm. all the more easier. And I would, I would encourage that. And I can, I can, I can talk quite a lot about, about that particular thing. So I'm very blessed to be doing what it is that I'm doing. I'm very you know, I feel very blessed to be in a position where I can afford to give the team time to do things correctly, because we, we are probably the only company right now working towards building a, a sustainable alternative social network that mimics the real world social network, which is the most important thing, I think, mm-hmm. in, in this world. We're seeing how important what it is that we're doing mm-hmm. is. People are willing to spend billions to solve this problem, personal billions. Uh, luckily, I haven't had to had to do that, but it's certainly you know a big sacrifice on all fronts. And I believe in what it is that we're doing and the importance of what we're doing. I love that. So inspiring and and so so important uh, for all of us as as uh, you know technology is advancing and and we definitely need to prioritize different areas of our life that I think having the kind of vision that you do and bringing the community and your team around you in that, in that vision, it's amazing that, you know, I think it's, we got to figure out a way to, you know, kind of get more people to, to understand the importance of, of what you're working on because the, the technology is, is, transforming so fast as you said that it ultimately it's going to work out like you know as you said we're we we can identify what's good for us and so i'm i'm really happy that you're kind of helping to bring that to the world so thanks for all that you're doing to to build a better world i have one final question you know superworld's a, a virtual world that's built on top of the real world where you can buy any place in the world and you can become a stakeholder there and and have a connection there and build things there and and do things what what's your favorite place in the world where do you where if you could buy a, a plot of virtual real estate anywhere in the world where where would you want to do that and what would you want to build um yes <laughs> i'm quite partial to uh i just recently moved to uh dubai and i'm i'm enjoying it tremendously i think that it's it's the most you know, it's one of the most forward-looking places, and uh, the Emirates, just in general, pushes you know just pushes you to think outside of the box and think differently and think into the future. So I, I've definitely added it to my my list of favorite places. I frequently go between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and each one uh, has a different a different feeling and pushes you in in different ways. One lets you think big and the other one lets you think fast and big it's it's they each bring something different to the table which is really awesome but you know in the past i've said you know quite frequently that my favorite city in the world is paris and my favorite country in the world is italy mm-hmm. so uh in terms of places i go to those are two of my favorites like i love anywhere in italy I'll, you can put me anywhere in italy and i'll love it i speak italian now as a result of that I lived a, a few years in Paris and find it to be a you know fantastic city and I can spend 
as much time as anybody wants in either one of those places and and would be happy to so anything that gets me any anything in that realm i'd be interested in so awesome yeah and i i uh, noticed you do take a lot of photos in all of those places so wonderful to to see your profile there on Vero. Well, thank you so much, Eamon, for being here today. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for what you're doing to build a better world. Where can people find you uh, online? What's the best way to kind of uh, get in touch or learn more about what you're working on? Well, I, yeah, the best place would be Vero. So I'm, I'm just Eamon at, at Vero. So vero.co slash Eamon. Uh, you can find me there and, you know, obviously uh, download the app and and interact with me. I try to get back to, you know, anybody who's got a question, if they mention me in their own post or or in a comment or, or something. Sometimes, uh, you know, work gets pretty busy and and I can't answer right away, but I, I try to as much as possible. But that's, you know, best place to find me. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, again, looking forward to seeing the exciting news that coming out later uh, this year on Web3 and all the other things that you're going to be building at Vero. Thanks so much for being on uh, the Building a Better World podcast. Looking forward to talking again soon. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Building a Better World. For more, Search Building a Better World in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Superworld, thanks for listening.